Hey everyone, welcome to the show. It's your boy, Johnny Clutch, talking about the latest sports news and giving hot takes on the sports that I love. A big day for NBA news yesterday, to say the least. Plenty to talk about in this show, so let's dive right into it. Obviously, the biggest news yesterday was Christoph Porzingis being traded to the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, the trade included um, from the Mavericks and Dennis Smith Jr., Wesley Matthews, Janet Jordan, uh, 2021 first and a 2023 protected first. It's protected from picks 1 to 10. And the Knicks are sending to Dallas, Christoph Porzingis, Courtney Lee, Tim Hardaway Jr., and Trey Burke. Okay, first, let's get the easy part out of the way. Let's talk about it from the Mavericks' end. Uh, they really, you know, established a good young core now with Doncic and uh, Porzingis. That's a really good foundation that they can build upon for many years to come. They will be very lethal in the pick and roll together, and they will be exciting to watch. It will be inter- interesting to see what pieces they can build around those two. Biggest question here for Dallas is obviously Porzingis' health. He's still on the shelf with his torn ACL. But if he comes back healthy, this is a this is a very good get for them. And Mark Cuban's probably ecstatic right now, thinking that he's getting the next Dirk all over again. Another thing that is a risk from the trade is if Porzingis will sign long-term with the Mavericks. But apparently the Mavericks feel pretty confident that he will. And I would guess that he would too. I, I think Porz, I think this is a very good fit for Porzingis, and I think he's going to really like it in Dallas. And honestly, I'm speaking as a Knicks fan saying this, I thought Porzingis made a great career move for himself. This situation is obviously a much better fit for him, and he'll have a chan- more of a chance to win right away. Now, let's get on to the Knicks' end of it. To me, this trade is only worth it if they can land top free agents in this upcoming free agent class and that's taking a big chance in my opinion i would like to know when was the last time a big time for agent signed with the knicks and it's not like the knicks haven't had a lot of cap space before especially in recent memory it was i remember just a few years back when phil jackson was creating cap space they wanted to get some high level for agents and they ended up with derrick rose who was past his prime courtney lee and a washed up joakim noah and I don't think it's necessarily a good look for the Knicks that the that their young star didn't want to be there anymore. He hasn't even played all year, and he's seeing that he doesn't think it's a good situation. I don't know about you, but if I was Kevin Durant and lo- looking at that, it doesn't really make New York that attractive to me. Now, maybe the Knicks know something that I don't. But unless you get Durant and another star like Kyrie Irving, Clay Thompson, DeMarcus Cousins, you name it, it this trade really isn't worth it in my opinion. Now, they did get Dennis Smith Jr., who I think is a nice young point guard that has a lot of potential. Uh, I feel Wesley Matthews and Daniel Jordan are probably buyout candidates, or they might try to flip those guys. I don't really know what their role is going to be. I don't see them staying past this year. They're expiring contracts. And then they got the unprotected first-round pick in 2021 and the protected one from 1-10. to 10. So if you really look at it, Matthews and Jordan probably won't last after this year. So basically, the Knicks got... Dennis Smith Jr. and two first-round picks for Porzingis, obviously. Uh, Tim Hardaway. Tim Hardaway had a bad contract. I'm not really concerned about that. I know they've been trying to part with that for the past few weeks. And Courtney Lee, who they've been trying to part with all season, as he's making about $12 million a year. I mean, clearing cap space is all fine and everything, but you got to spend that money on somebody, and you got to spend it on the right people. And you already have teams that already have two max slots. I know Brooklyn has a lot of money. The Clippers have a lot of money. The Lakers are looking for someone to pair with LeBron. There are only so many free agents out there. They they all can't go everywhere. So really, if the Knicks don't get a big-name free agent like Durant, I don't know what they're really looking like in the future, to be honest with you. You got rid of your young star. 
and Kristaps Porzingis, so you don't really have a cornerstone anymore. I guess you can still hope for getting lucky in the lottery. Even even if they do finish with the last record in the league, which it looks like they will, they still only have 14% chance to get that first pick, so there's going to be still a little bit of luck involved in that. And another thing I'd like to point out, I feel this trade's probably been in the works for weeks now. I feel Porzingis has been on the block for weeks. I just feel that they've kept it under wraps very well. Because there is no, because I remember um, I was reading reports. I was getting alerts on my phone all day. It was like about, I want to say, 3 o'clock, 3.30 that I was getting reports about Kristaps Porzingis meeting with management and talking about how he was unhappy with the team. Then it was it was about him sending his trade request in. And all of a sudden, 20 minutes later, the Mavericks are all of a sudden gaining a huge head of steam to get a deal done. Another reason that's this is a little off for me is that just put yourself in the next GM position. Just say Chris House Porzingis comes up to you, tells you he's unhappy. Do you turn around like literally the same day and trade him that day and not say, okay, let's just play this out for a week or two or whatever, and or maybe even a couple days. I know the trade deadline's coming close, but maybe you play it out for like a day or two, see if you can work things out with him. But, I mean, with the report, where the reports were coming out, it seemed like, oh, Porzingis just met with him. And Steve Mills literally picked up his phone right away and called Mark Cuban right after Porzingis left out the door. So that part of the story I really don't believe. And think about the history of great players requesting trades, or even just normal players requesting trades. Usually takes, you know, weeks, sometimes even months, at least a couple days for them to get traded. Look at the Jimmy Butler situation earlier this year. The Timberwolves mind to get rid of him in the worst way. It was just about as toxic a situation as it could possibly be. And it took them, I want to say, about a month to finally find a trade for him. So that's the part that seems a little fishy to me. This has probably been in the works for weeks. It's just that no one's really heard about it until now. And about a couple weeks ago, you saw something that was a little bit strange between Porzingis and management. Porzingis was really pushing the play this season for the Knicks. And the Knicks were kind of telling him, no. We don't want you to play, but Porzingis was like, I think I can be healthy by the end of the season. They were kind of having miscommunication with all of that. Another thing that possibly could have led to a Porzingis' trade request is that, other than the non-winning culture that was mentioned in the reports, is how he's been dangled around in trade rumors. I mean, we can go back to a couple years ago where he was, you know, in, where Phil Jackson, who was president of basketball operations at the time, at the time for the Knicks, was ready to trade Kristaps Porzingis to the Boston Celtics. And even just recently, a couple days ago, where there were talks that Christos Porzingis could be dealt to the New Orleans Pelicans for Anthony Davis. And I believe a deal like that would have gone through if the Pelicans would have got confirmation that Porzingis would sign long-term with them. So in the end, for all those with the Knicks, they basically traded a young star because they think they have a chance at free agents. I mean, I don't know. I'm not in the building for them. Maybe they've had secret meetings with Durant that are against NBA rules. I'm not sure. I just feel they're taking a giant leap of faith here. And Dallas, I just feel with this trade, they're 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 not going to beat the Warriors with this trade, obviously. They're not going to contend with this trade right away. But when the Warriors' reign ends, when players leave, whatnot, when they get old, they possibly could be in the running to take over the West or be one of the teams to take over. I'll put them right up there with Denver in terms of teams, I would say, three years down the line that they will be true contenders, depending on the pieces they get around Porzingis and Doncic. It'll be very interesting to see how this trade plays out for both teams. Anthony Davis really had been the big story in the NBA for the past couple of days, and this really stole the show. Now I want to talk about something else in this trade. Now I've said in my podcast that I'm a Knicks fan, 
And I see comments from Knicks fans on Twitter, Facebook, all social media outlets calling him a traitor. And there are two reasons why I disagree with that. One reason, the Knicks have been very inept ever since Porzingis has arrived to New York. They have been through four head coaches throughout his tenure here, and they haven't even came close to sniffing the playoffs in any of his seasons. And is some of that on him? Yes, all the players deserve on those rosters deserve blame for that. I also think there's a chance he saw what Anthony Davis is going through in New Orleans. Anthony Davis has spent seven years with the Pelicans, and maybe Porzingis felt he didn't want to wait that long to make a move like this. He probably figured he, he'd wasted enough time in New York. He didn't want to have more years of his career wasted. And I really can't blame him for that. He wanted to make a better move for his career. Another thing is that these Knicks fans that are mad that he's gone are the same ones that booed him relentlessly on draft day. And they mostly did that just because they didn't even know who he was. they never seen him play or anything like that. They decided, well, let's boo him because we don't know who he is. So let's not forget that. I honestly wish the best for Porzingis in the future. I think he's a great player, and I think he's going to show that with the Dallas Mavericks. He'll have a great opportunity there. And as a Knicks fan, I just hope that we made the right decision and we can move forward. Maybe the Knicks are right with this trade. I am one with an open mind, and I'm willing to give anything a chance. On to another topic, the rest of the All-Stars were announced for the East and the West. Uh, all players are deserving. I know people will say there are snubs and stuff like that, but everyone on those lists was deserving. They've all had amazing seasons. But there's one thing I'd like to see changed about the All-Star roster. The, see, the one thing I'll get here is that our, each team for every game can dress 13 players, but for the All-Star games, there's only 12 players per each conference. And there were some players that didn't get in that I felt deserved to be in those spots. Can make two more spots right there, and there's two less snubs for you. Now, I've, hear, I've heard people say they wanted to go up to 15 per conference. I think that's a little bit much. I think that would kind of diminish the accomplishment slightly. But I feel 13 per conference would be good because that's how many players are dressed per game now. And in my opinion, the biggest snub was D'Angelo Russell. Without him, the Brooklyn Nets would probably not be in the playoffs right now. They currently have the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference. Despite the injury early in the season, the Karis LeVert and uh, their slow start of eight wins and 18 losses, they have really turned it around. And D'Angelo Russell is a huge part of that. He might still get in because Victor Oladipo obviously can't play due to his injury. I mean, it's between D'Angelo Russell and Jimmy Butler, and honestly, I don't think it's even close in this one, folks. Here's the stats for you. D'Angelo Russell averages 19.6 points per game, 6.4 assists, and 3.8 rebounds. Butler averages 18.6 points, 3.6 assists, and 5 rebounds per game. So I guess you can say the stats are pretty even. I I would give Russell a slight edge because I value assists a lot more than rebounds. But Russell means a lot more to his team's success. The Sixers would still be a great team without Butler. And yes, those are just Butler stats off Philadelphia. I'm not counting his ones off of Minnesota because, again, this is the Eastern Conference All-Stars. And D'Angelo Russell, ever since the month of January started, has been an absolute terror. He's averaging almost 24 points per game on 49% shooting, along with about 7 assists. I'm sorry, but Jimmy Butler has not played at that level this season. D'Angelo Russell definitely deserves to be in his first All-Star game. So lost in all the All-Star selections and all the trade rumors and stuff like that, there were actually games that were played in the NBA last night, believe it or not. And uh, one game really caught my eye, caught a lot of people's eye. It was on uh, national television on TNT. Uh, the Sixers got a big road win over the Golden State Warriors, 113-104. 
And I must say, very impressive, especially considering that Joel Embiid and J- Jimmy Butler really struggled from the field. They shot a combined 11-36, and they still beat the Warriors on the road. Now, granted, the Warriors did not have Klay Thompson, but that showed me one thing. If there's any team, talent-wise, that can possibly come close to matching up with the Warriors, it's the Philadelphia 76ers. They do have three bona fide All-Stars. Even though I just said Jimmy Butler would not should not make the All-Star team this year, he he is a guy that normally does make All-Star teams. Obviously, Ben Simmons is a young stud, and Joel Embiid's arguably the best sire in the game. Couple nice role complimentary pieces too. JJ Reddick's a straight vet and can obviously shoot the hell out of the ball. And I feel Wilson Chandler is very underrated, especially in a game like this. You know, a guy like him can guard many positions, and and that's vital in matching up against the Warriors. The one thing the Philadelphia 76ers are missing, though, is depth. They will probably have to address that at the trade deadline. I just feel like they need something else. Maybe a nice four off the bench that can stretch the floor. Or maybe just a guy they can just straight up run the offense through when all the stars are out of the game. I feel them making a move like that could be, you know, them getting over the hump to maybe going to the NBA Finals. And I must say, the Eastern Conference landscape is a lot better than it was in recent years. I'm actually looking forward to the Eastern Conference playoffs. You know, Milwaukee's really strong this year with Giannis, you know, playing great at MVP level. I feel that Budenholzer behind LeBron has probably probably been the best offseason acquisition. He's really put that team on the next level. And even the Raptors, they've been consistent all year. And you still got Boston. And those are really four quality teams that are going to be battling each other for the end. And I'm actually looking forward to it. And you can even say that all those teams would be the second best team in the West if they were to switch conferences. That's not really something that you were able to say a lot in recent years when it pertains to the Eastern Conference. And myself included, I thought that. I I thought LeBron had cakewalks to the finals some of these years. I mean, that's not to diminish LeBron's accomplishments of going to that many finals in a row, but come on. He wasn't facing this competition. But really, that Sixers game last night really showed me that. The best threat for the Warriors, you know, may just be out of the East. One last thing I'd like to talk about is the Detroit Pistons. Now, I'm going to get a little off topic here. I know they haven't really been a big story, but I was watching a little bit of their game against a very underhanded Dallas Mavericks last night. And I got to tell you, it, this team is just really mediocre. Def- the definition of mediocre, just in no man's land. They aren't good enough to make any noise in the East, and they're not bad enough to get a great draft pick. They've tried many things to fix the situation, like last trade deadline, they traded for Blake. Uh, then they fired Stan Van Gundy, thinking Dwayne Casey would fix a lot of their problems, and he really hasn't. Being of the season, they were rolling pretty good. They were you know, near the top of the conference, but they really tailed off and went south right after that. So it's going to be interesting to see. They really find themselves at a crossroads here. I've read a couple reports that Blake Griffin might be asking for a trade. It might be too soon to think about that, but it wouldn't be the worst idea in the world for them to blow it up, honestly, and just start and just rebuild all over again. It just seems like the Griffin Drummond experience isn't working. It, you know, there's really top heavy. It's Griffin Drummond. Re- I don't really care for Reggie Jackson. Maybe they gotta make a change there, but it seems like they're trying a lot of things and none of it's working. It's it's not working to get them over the hump. And they're tied in the big contracts with Griffin and Drummond, so. You know, it looks like they're committed to it right now, and it's really hard for them to see, see a way out. They're going to be kind of an interesting team for me to watch at the trade deadline. Will they buy or will they sell? I'm leaning towards them buying. Maybe they have one more buying opportunity to where as they trade for one more player, may, they can make a move or something and say, okay, if this, if this, this player or this doesn't fix it, 
then we got to start trying something new. I can sort of see that in the works before blowing this whole thing up and working towards a rebuild. But to me, they're just in the worst place you can possibly be in the NBA. I'd like to thank everyone that listened to this podcast. Uh, Hit those like buttons, hit those subscribe buttons, and leave comments on wherever you see this. I would love to get some feedback on my podcast. Tell me if you agree or disagree with the stuff I say, or if you have any ideas for any of my upcoming shows. If there's topics you would like me to talk about, let me know. Until next time, it's your boy Johnny Clutch. Peace out.